0: We're continuing verse by verse our 39th Sunday morning here in the book of Acts. And in this chapter, where we're at in Acts 13 when we read this, we're walking with Paul and Barnabas, the Apostle Paul, the man who who, who penned more books of the Bible than any other uh, person, uh, were, were following Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. They were sent out from the church at Antioch, and they began to preach the gospel, And we saw that pattern of opportunities and obstacles. This morning, we're going to look not at 40 verses. We're going to look at the last seven verses of the chapter together. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to briefly summarize each verse for you, a little bit of an outline, I guess. And then I'm going to bring it all together, the whole chapter together with one takeaway for us this week. And I want us to see this. And the title of my message is this, a byproduct of faithfulness a byproduct of faithfulness and at the end we're going to summarize it i'm going to give you that takeaway what is the bible or one of the byproducts of faithfulness let's jump into it for the sake of review let's start in verse 44 just so we can kind of pick it up where we were our text is going to begin in verse 46 let's pick it up in verse 44 acts 13 verse 44 we all there the bible thank you ray the bible says and the next sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. What a great weekend of ministry that was. Paul and Barnabas have preached here in Antioch and Pisidia the the weekend before. Everybody says, come back and preach again. They come back the next Sabbath day on that Saturday, and the whole city, almost the entire city, has come out to hear them preach. Verse 45, remember with every opportunity, every open door you can expect, verse 45, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, the Jews were religious people, so they should be excited that the word of God's being preached, right? They were filled with what church? They were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Not only were they not excited about the preaching, they started preaching an alternate message. They started preaching the opposite of what Paul and Barnabas were preaching. Now I want you to see verse 46. And I'll give you one word to kind of summarize each of these verses. Verse 46, uh, I've given the word, if you want to jot it down, if you're in the habit of doing that in the margin of your Bible, the word rejected. Notice this. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. Spoken to who? Spoken to the Jews. In fact, Jesus said, said that. He said, uh, the gospel's going to go to the Jews first. Paul said it this way. Now, Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, but Paul said it this way in Romans. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the, what? Jew first, he said, and then uh, also to the Greek. So Paul said, even in Romans, the, the, the apostle of the Gentiles, his habit very often was, he would go into a city and he would go to the synagogue, the Jewish uh, place of worship, and he would begin to preach the gospel to the Jew first. So that's what he's saying here. Paul is telling them in verse 46, he says, he says to them, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. Notice this, but seeing ye, these are th- this is an interesting phrase, ye put it from you. Basically, you pushed it away. I preached truth and you rejected it seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas remind them that they chose to reject the good news of Jesus Christ. Many of the Jews had rejected this. And by the way, this isn't, can I just stop and say this here? This is a reminder that all of us have to decide what we will do with the truth that we're given when we hear the preaching of God's word, what will we do with that? Will we accept it or will we reject it? Will we accept it or will we reject it? He said, you put it away from you. You judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. I preached the truth to you and you said, I don't want it. I want my man-made system of religion. I want my traditions. I want what I was brought up with. I want what was comfortable for me. I want where I have power. I want that. That was what the Jews had. I want all of that. He said, here's the truth. What will you do with it? May I just stop and interject right here? If you're here under the sound of my voice today, the, the truth, you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ sung this morning. You've heard me pray the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross of of Calvary. He was buried for you. And three days later, he rose again, conquering death so that you and I could have forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. That is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it changes everything. But if you're here and you've sung the gospel, and we've prayed the gospel, and you've heard the gospel preached, it doesn't get you any closer to heaven unless you choose to embrace the gospel. What will you do with the truth that's been given to you? What will you? Will you accept it or will you reject it? They rejected it. Verse 46, we see that they rejected it. And we're reminded God is not willing that any should perish. Paul said that. It's for the Jew and the Greek. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But each of us has a personal choice to make. Will you choose the gift of everlasting life or will you judge yourself unworthy? Verse 47, we see Paul and Barnabas redirected. Redirected in verse 47. For so hath the Lord commanded us saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. What do we see here? We see Paul and Barnabas say, we came, we gave you guys a chance. We're not gonna wait. I don't mean it badly. We're not wasting any more energy here. We're going to the Gentiles now. You had your shot. We're being redirected. And may I say to each one of us that disappointments and rejection in our lives can be used for growth and God's plan in our lives. Can I say that one more time? Disappointments and rejection in our lives can be used for God's growth, for God's growth and God's plan in our lives. What was this? This was rejection. Paul and Barnabas came to preach and they rejected him. They put it away from him and they could have been disappointed. God, we were serving you and this is what happens. We hate it when things don't go well, don't we? But God often uses those times to further his work in our lives and through our lives. It's often been said when often when God closes a door, he opens a window and and meaning that when one thing doesn't turn out how we had hoped, God often has other plans for us if we will follow in faith when discerning God's leading in my life, I have often prayed, God, give me the faith to walk through the open doors that you give me. Give me the wisdom not to kick down a door that is not open. God, you've closed a door here. You're redirecting me. Now, if there's another, open doors are scary. If there's another open door, God, give me the faith to walk through the open doors, the courage to walk through the open doors, but God, give me the wisdom not to kick down a door that you've closed. Well, what do we see with Paul here? They had the faith to walk through an open door, the Gentiles, the wisdom not to keep, keep, keep kicking on that door there in that city with the Jews that had rejected the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean they gave up on the Jews. We'll see it later on in this passage. They continued to preach, but they were redirected. God's redirections in our lives can be wonderful seasons of growth and impact. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing that in my own life during this COVID season. God's redirections have taught me a whole lot of things. It's filtered a lot of stuff out in my life and even in our church ministry and, and, and moving forward into the future and showing us what matters and what's important and what really isn't that important. And God's redirections can be used in amazing ways for growth. Continuing on, by way of introduction, we'll get through these verses and I'll wrap it all up with a takeaway. Verse 48, we see here, not only we saw rejected and redirected, now we see they were receptive. verse 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, they were what, church? They were, they were what? By the way, we should be excited about the things of God. Excited about what God's done with us. Serve the Lord with gladness. We, I, I've heard it said like this, you know, that, that person's been serving the Lord for decades and he's not mad about it. We don't have to be mad about everything. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Be, be thankful and excited about what God's done in our lives. But they were glad, verse 48, and they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, believe, what, what do I see here? Don't focus on those who have rejected. Look for those who are receptive and invest in them. Often we spend all of our time on the squeaky wheel, focusing on the one critic, on the one person that's upset with us. Correcting those who are, who are, who are wasting uh, their lives or we waste emotional energy on those who are maybe rejecting something and, and we neglect those who are hungry and eager and ready to know God and grow in God. The Jews rejected, the Gentiles received. Verse 49, what do we see? I, I gave the summary word here of revival. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. The rejection and God's redirection led to a revival of God's word being preached throughout all the region. Again, God uses disappointments, uh, uh, uncomfortable times. He uses those things for his glory. If we'll, if we'll continue and stay faithful and walk with him, God used their redirection to bring new life to many to revive is to restore to life. God worked in great ways. The word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Verse 50, verse 50, we see that Paul and Barnabas were reviled. They were reviled, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. Remember what we talked about three Sundays ago, two weeks ago? With every open door, you can expect opposition. The word of the Lord is published throughout all the region. And what's the next verse say? The, the Jews stirred up powerful men and women, people that were highly respected, and they expelled them out of their coasts. Now, this isn't the first, or I'm sorry, this isn't the last time Paul is going to get kicked out of somewhere for preaching Jesus. This is just the first of many times. But what do we see? Paul and Barnabas reviled, and then moving along to verse 51. I like this, but we see they were resolved, the resolve of Paul and Barnabas. Would you read verse 51 aloud with me? Acts 13 verse 51. Ready? Begin. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. They shook off the dust of their feet against them. That's an interesting phrase. And culturally, they would have understood that differently. But for a little bit of the sake of illustration, I guess I'm not trying to be gross, but how many of you have ever stepped in doggy do? Let me just see. Not too many churches you can come to and expect to hear the words doggy do from the pastor, but how many, all of us probably at some point or another, right? And you smell it, and maybe if it's your kids, you smell it on them, and what do we say? We say if that's us or that's somebody's trying to get in your car, man, get out of my car, Don't clean your shoes before you get in here. Don't bring that dirt into my car, or maybe outside. Take your shoes off anytime. My wife is a little OCD in her cleanliness, and anytime we go anywhere that has a little dirt or mud or sand, we come back from the beach, It's like all of the kids have to completely, you know, take off everything in the garage one at a time, get in. Do not bring that sand into my house. I don't want that in here. Take it off in the garage. Take it off on the front porch. Well, here, that phrase, is kind of like that. Don't come in my house with that dirt. Don't come in my car with that dirt. But it's even a little bit more. You see, Jesus had told them in Matthew, what did he said? He said, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Where did that come from? Well, the Jews, the Jews in that day, in Paul and Barnabas' day, the Jews made sure they were not going to bring in Gentile dust into Israel. The Gentiles were so looked down upon, those that were non-Jews, they had such a, a cultural divide, a, a racial divide, a spiritual divide, that it was like I'm not, we're not even when we get if we're traveling through a Gentile city or we go into a Gentile house and we're coming back into Israel, we're we're wiping our feet, we're getting our feet clean before we even step foot in our country. We don't we don't want to uh, we don't we don't want to to de- de- devalue or defile our land even with Gentile dust. It was the idea of you're such pagans we don't want anything about you around us so Paul and Barnabas after they get rejected they get expelled out of the coast what did they do they shook off the dust from their feet what was it it was them basically telling the Jews you guys are pagans who have rejected God who are they saying this to they were saying this to those that took pride in how religious they were they took pride in how much they followed the old testament they took pride in how many rules they kept and Paul and Barnabas gave them the symbol of you guys are so far from God and we're not even taking your dust with us as we leave out of your city. They shook off the dust. We see them reviled. We see Paul and Barnabas resolved. They didn't quit. They shook off their dust and they went to the next place. They came unto Iconium. We're almost done with our with this passage here and I'll wrap it all up. Verse 52, would you read it aloud with me? Verse 52, ready? Begin. Begin. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. I wrote down the summary of this verse, rejoicing. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. And then notice the next verse. Again, remember when the Bible was written, when Luke wrote the book of Acts, it did not have verse and chapter divisions. These things go together. The very next first verse is and, so it's a continuation. Chapter 14, verse one. And it came to pass in Iconium, What is it that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed, I wrote down next to that one, results, and what do we see? So the story is Paul and Barnabas, they get kicked out of Antioch and Pisidia, they go to Iconium, about 100 miles southeast they say we'll go to the next place they go into the synagogue and they preach and what does God show them one group may have rejected you but I'm not done using you and a great multitude not just of gentiles and not just of Jews a great gentile of Jews and gen- a great multitude of Jews and gentiles believed the gospel Paul and Barnabas their work is moving on so that's an individual summary or explanation of each verse to finish that chapter we see here to summarize it Paul and Barnabas speaking boldly God blessing greatly, some accepting, some rejecting. They're persecuted. They're out of town. They go about a hundred miles southeast, continue to preach, and God blesses in great ways. Now let's recap the entire chapter and give you a takeaway that I think will help you this week. Let's recap the entire. How did the chapter start for those that were with us? For those that weren't, I'll remind you. For those that were and it's been too long, you forgot, I'll remind you. Basically for everyone, I'll remind you. How did it start? It started with Paul and Barnabas being they're being ordained, being prayed over with their fellow church members and friends at the church in Antioch, and they ordained and commissioned them to go on their first missionary journey. They went out, started their gospel ministry. What do you think the feelings were like for Paul and Barnabas at that time? Probably feelings of faith, right? We believe God can do something great through us, so we're going to step out by faith. We're going to leave everything that's comfortable. We're going to go preach the gospel. Probably excitement, right? I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Paul knowing, I know how the gospel changed my life. I can't wait to see how he's gonna use us to change others' lives. I have to believe there might've been some other things. I wonder what's going to, what the opposition's gonna be like. There might've been some fear with new beginnings. There's always a little bit of uncertainty and fear. And, but I, I have to imagine that it started with faith and, and, and excitement. They started getting ready to launch out and they go and they begin to preach and, and things are going pretty well. But early on, they are faced with, do you remember it? Opposition by wicked men. Remember Elymas the sorcerer in verse 8? They're preaching the gospel to Sergius Paulus, and, and, and this guy, who he's a false teacher, he's, and they're, they're faced with opposition by wicked men. And what did they do? They stayed faithful to God. And then, not long after that, they're faced with disappointment by a trusted man. John Mark, their co laborer, their fellow soldier, quits on them and he leaves. And they're faced by, but with opposition by wicked men, and they stayed faithful to God. And not long after, they're faced with disappointment by a trusted man, John Mark, and they stay faithful to God. And then soon they're opposed by religious men, the Jews, in verse 45. And what happened? They stayed faithful to God. And then they're per- persecuted by powerful men and women, in verse 50. And what did they do? They stayed faithful to God. Are you sensing a pattern here? Paul and Barnabas? No matter what comes their way, when a bunch of people get saved, they stay faithful to God. When they get kicked out of the city, they stay faithful to God. When somebody wants to hear the good news, they stay faithful to God. When somebody rejects the good news, they stay faithful to God. When the whole city comes out to hear them, they stay faithful to God. When people start lying about them and preaching opposite of them, they stay faithful to God. Are you sensing the pattern? So the chapter begins with faith and excitement. The middle of it is a mixture of burdens and blessings. And now I want you one more time to read verse 52 aloud. And what is the byproduct of their faithfulness? It's an interesting way to end the description of their season in Antioch. After all they went through, probably physical persecution, all of these things, would you read verse 52 aloud? Ready, begin. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. By the way, Holy Ghost-filled people will be joyful people. The disciples were filled with joy. Isn't it interesting? The last verse of the chapter speaks nothing of the disappointments, nothing of the difficulties, nothing of the struggles, Nothing of the rejection. Now, the the chapter tells us about all of those, but it wraps up the whole time and it says, Luke says, here's what I want you to remember about their time in Antioch. The disciples were filled with joy. Who is he speaking of there? I believe he's speaking of the disciples they left in Antioch that had been saved because of their preaching ministry. I also believe based on verse 51, he's speaking of Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas left joyful at what God had done in Antioch and they left behind them a whole bunch of people that were joyful about what had been done in Antioch. Paul and Barnabas, uh, their faithfulness to God brought a joy that rose above circumstances but also those they had stayed faithful for. The people who heard the gospel, because of their faithfulness, they were filled with joy. When we stay faithful, we bring joy to those we impact and those we serve, and when we stay faithful to God, it brings joy and encouragement to us as well. We bring joy and encouragement to others who are facing trials. I don't want to start naming names, but there are people all around this courtyard, and up on the grass, and all over here that are undecided. I know some of the trials just in the last five years your family has walked through, and your faithfulness, it encourages and brings joy to others. By the way, as you stay faithful, the Holy Spirit ministers to you in the midst of your trials, and your Joy and this morning, my message is simply this one of the byproducts of faithfulness is the joy of the Lord. Are you struggling with your joy? Stay faithful because they had a whole bunch of ups and downs. It was a roller coaster living for God. It was good, it was bad, it was exciting, it was depressing, it was reju- uh, acceptance, rejection, revival expulsion. It was all, It was persecution. It was physical pain. It was spiritual pain. It was people lying about them. It was people they invested in, turning away from them. But what do we see? I want you to listen to this pattern. The beginning of the chapter for this entire chapter, faith and excitement. The middle, a mix of blessings and burdens. They stay faithful to God through it all. And the chapter ends with, talk to me church, the chapter ends with what? With what? Joy. Kind of sounds like 2020, doesn't it? Begins with faith and excitement. The middle is a mix of blessings and burdens. And if we stay faithful to God through it, what what are we going to find at the end? Joy. Kind of sounds like marriage, doesn't it? Starts with, we've got a newlywed couple up here, starts with faith and excitement. The middle is a mix of burdens and blessings. And if we stay faithful to God and one another, what will we find in our marriage? Joy. Kind of sounds like child rearing, doesn't it? That newborn baby, it starts with faith and excitement. And in the middle, if you have parented for any length of time, is a mix of blessings and burdens. And if you stay faithful to God through it all, I believe there is a joy that comes. Kind of sounds like any job or career, doesn't it? The beginning starts with faith and excitement. The middle A mix of what? Talk to me. A mix of blessings and burdens. And if we stay faithful, it ends with, stay faithful to God. God uses it and it ends with joy. Kind of sounds like joining a church, doesn't it? Starts with, talk to me, what? Faith and excitement. Nobody joins a church saying, I hate that church so much. I hate that pastor. I hate the way they sing. I hate the songs they sing. I hate the things he preaches. I just hate that church. You know what I think I'll do? I'll join that church. No one does that. It starts with faith and excitement. And if you stay in a church for any length of time, you know what the middle's gonna be filled with? A mixture of, talk to me, blessings and burdens. And if we stay faithful to God, you know what God brings us? Joy. Kind of sounds like life, doesn't it? It starts with faith and excitement. There's nothing more exciting than that childlike faith. And then you get a little older and reality hits you hard. And it's filled with a mix of blessings and burdens. But I think it was Paul, the one who wrote this. I think he's the one that said, I think it's did Acts 20 said, but none of these things move me. Neither None of these things move me. These things, the mix of blessings and burdens. None of these things move me. What is he saying? I'm going to stay faithful to God so that I might finish my course with, with what? One of the byproducts of faith. No, by the way, I, I, the joy that will arise about circumstances. I didn't say one of the byproducts of faithfulness is ease. I didn't say one of the byproducts of faithfulness is never a bad day. I didn't say one of the byproducts of faithfulness is comfort. You know, what I, one of the byproducts of faithfulness is a God-given joy of the Lord that carries us through the blessings and the burdens. None of these things move me. In Matthew 25, Jesus, as he taught the parable of the talents, what does he say in verse 21? To the servant who had been faithful with what God had called him to do, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant thou has been faithful over a few things i will make thee ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of the lord a byproduct of faithfulness is joy you want joy stay faithful you want to bring joy to others stay faithful you want a joyful family stay faithful you want a joyful marriage? Stay faithful. You want to be joyful at your job? Stay faithful to God. And by the way, that's not something we do every morning and work it all up. And and, All right, you're joyful. You're joyful. You can do this. You're happy. No, it's not in our own strength. It's the joy of the Lord. We're resting and saying, God, you you see the bigger picture that I don't see. You know how this is all going to work out. You know where this pandemic goes and where it doesn't go. And you know what's happening in elections. And you know what's happening with shutdowns. And you know what's happening with my job. And you know what's happening with this burden in my life. God, I don't see it all. But God, I trust you, and I'm going to wake up trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep doing what I know I'm supposed to do, and when I don't feel like it, when the happiness is God, Lord, I'm going to rest in the joy of the Lord that is my strength. As I close, I want to show you one more thing. Can you turn with me to 2 Timothy? Paul references the chapter we just studied. Can you go over toward the end of the New Testament? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul references the verses we just read in his letter to young Timothy. At this point, Paul is older. Paul's almost dead. He's about to die. He's leaving his thoughts to a young pastor protege of his, Timothy, a son in the faith. He writes him two letters. When you read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, those are letters from Paul to a son in the faith, Timothy, one one older preacher writing to a younger preacher. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he references the verses we just studied in Acts 13. The Bible's awesome. I want you to see that this is beautiful. 2 Timothy verse, let's start in verse number 10. Talking to Timothy, he says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, you know what I've taught, my manner of life, you know how I've lived, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my faithfulness, my, what I've, what, the, the faithfulness that I've shown in the midst of, of discouragement and disappointment with people. You know my long-suffering, my charity, my patience. And then I want you to read verse 11 aloud with me. Ready? Begin. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. He says here, you know about what I faced at Antioch? That was the chapter we just read. My persecutions, how I was beaten. It might be there that he was beaten with stripes. How I was was afflicted. You know how that happened at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra? And what does the older preacher who has now stayed faithful for a lifetime Who's about to die he's about to finish his course he's about to finish fighting his fight what does he say to the younger preacher you know all the things i endured notice it in in the end of verse 11 but out of them what's the word church out of them what out of them what out of them all he didn't put any exception in there every single one of them what happened the lord delivered me What is he telling this young pastor? What is he saying? He's saying, Timothy, stay faithful. God never failed me. Out of them all, he delivered me. You know about my persecution. You know about the rejection. You know about the affliction. You know about the hurt. You know about the disappointment. You know how me and and Barnabas split ways. You know how John Mark quit on us. You know about Demas that's forsaken me. You know about my disappointments in ministry. And let me tell you, Timothy, you can trust God. Live for him for a lifetime, Timothy he never let me down he delivered me out of them all and that's why paul could finish his course with joy because it wasn't in his own strength it was in the faithfulness of god that he rested the psalmist said it this way i've been young and now i'm old i've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread he said it that way saying, god has never let down one of his children stay faithful People will fail us. God never will. But power, Powerful people will fail us. God never will. He continues in that passage in verse 12. He said, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Timothy, this Christian life's not going to be easy, but evil men and seducers are going to get worse and worse deceiving and being deceived, what does he say? Wicked men may oppose you, Timothy, as the sorcerer did me at Antioch. Trusted men may, may fail you, as John Mark did. Religious men may stand against you, as the Jews did. Powerful men may, may go against you. But notice what he says, the first two words of verse 14. What are those first two words? And we're about done, you've listened well. The first two words of 2 Timothy three fourteen. Would you say them nice and loud? Ready? Begin. But, but continue but continue. It's not going to be easy. You're going to walk through some valleys. You're going to shed some tears. It's going to be difficult, but continue. And by the way, Paul could say that because Paul lived that. And you know what Paul found on the other side of continuing? Joy. 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 You know what you'll find on the other side of continuing? Joy. Then the disciples were filled with, with joy and the Holy Ghost. How's your joy today, church? How's your faithfulness? Everything, everything in life seems like just about everything starts with faith and excitement. I can't wait to see what God's gonna do in this new chapter. And it continues with a, we dropped our daughter off for college. You know what there was a whole lot of this week? First week on campus, on college campuses especially a Christian college campus, a whole lot of faith we're exci- and excitement. I wonder how God's going to work. We've talked with our daughter every day this week or texted or whatever. There's a lot of excitement. There's, she said it kind of feels like teen camp. Everybody, there's all these activities and all this stuff and meet new people. And it starts with, and you know what college is going to be for any of us? A mix in the middle of it, a mix of burdens and blessings. Really everything in life starts with faith and excitement. The middle, a mix of burdens and blessings. But if we will stay faithful to God, you know what we'll find every single time? What is it? What's a byproduct of faithfulness? What is it? I want to serve the Lord with gladness. I want to finish my course with joy. Circumstances won't always lead to joy, but we can find it every time we stay faithful to Him. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty.